All right, we're packing the house today. It's good to see it. Hey, guess what? That's why we're doing the taco mill. You can carry those conversations on after that. But I want to grab my time here. That's great. All right. I have always said, oh, Melissa, can you get my, I have always said that uh, I came to this church, wow, they're not, thank you, you want to whistle real loud, Gigi? Some of you just happy your kids are back in school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Hey, it's been a fun ride this summer through the Psalms for me. I trust you have taken the opportunity to turn open to the playlist of the Hebrews of ancient times and let the Psalms minister to you as you voice your relationship and cry out to God. Don't bottle your relationship with God up. Be raw, be real. I remember once when I was at a youth camp where God really broke through and we were all quiet and reserved. And our new youth pastor who was just playing the piano, leading us from one chorus to another, he told us to loosen up. In whatever posture God would give. Don't be inhibited. Don't worry about people around you. And I remember myself, I raised my hand as a V and I said, Lord, pour into my life. God broke through in that camp experience for us. Ministered to many people. We brought that experience back to the church that we were a part of, 100 students. And God moved powerfully in that next year. And sometimes I believe God doesn't work in our lives or maybe in our church because we're inhibited to be real with God. You cannot spend time in the Psalms without seeing the psalmist be real with God. Now, a lot of the Psalms are about praise, and we're going to look at one today that's a praise-giving psalm. But as we mentioned, there's all other kinds of psalms. There were laments, and there's petitions, and, and petitions, and, and, and there was, you know, bring doom and wrath on my enemies. I mean, there's real stuff in the psalms because David and the others knew how to not be inhibited before God. You don't have to have some nice, pretty church face on when you go to God. He meets you right where you are. As Joe mentioned in worship time, you get up and you look in the mirror, maybe your hair's out of line, you're not ready to go out for the day, but one of the things staring you back is your image that says, I know you're carrying stuff inside underneath. Well, God already knows it. He doesn't need a mirror. Meet him continually. Even though we're done with the Psalms for this summer, take the Psalms and use it as a catalyst for your relationship with God. Because it's not about religion, right, friends? It's about a relationship. And I love it when I see the psalmist real. So we're going to look at a psalm today that's in the latter part of the psalms. 
We said that uh, Psalms actually has a structure. There were two lead-off Psalms that we spent time on, Psalm 1 and 2. But if you go to the back of Psalms, the last five are these declaration praises. It talks about praising God with all kinds of instruments. And, and we were doing that today, though we don't have a harp and a lyre. Uh, there, there was a celebration, and those sort of culminate the Psalms, and they're real brief at the end. But right before the last five psalms that sort of are the conclusion is psalm 145 and i want us to look at psalm 145 today if uh i think my slide stuck it says this i will exalt you my god and king i will praise your name forever and ever every day i will praise you and extol your name for ever and ever. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, we did a psalm. Do you remember the psalm that talked about, I will bless the Lord at all times? And I told you another camp experience. And, and what did Rocky, the guy, say? He said what? What a praise. That's a real praise. Can I, can I get one here? What a praise. All right. So we're talking about expressing your praise to God, allowing him to verbally hear it on your mouth. And so here with Psalm 145, I will exalt you, O God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Do you know that's your destiny? To praise God forever and ever. Like, really? There's a passage where Isaiah sees this vision and in the Old Testament and he sees the cherubim and, and the seraphim or whatever around the throne and they're declaring, holy, 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 right? And, and they declare holy and then the other side declares holy and you're like, wow, he's caught up and the train of the robe was filling the temple and he, he was overcome by the incredible beauty of heaven and all the glory with God in the midst of it. I remember when I first heard that story, I said, well, the angels are shouting, holy, holy, holy. I'm like, well, that seems like odd. Is there something else they could say? But they're trying to outdo one another. And so one says, holy. And the other says, I, uh, I, can't, I can't top that one. Uh, holy, holy. The praise is going on forever and ever. And I thought, wow, that... That, I don't know, that sounds like pretty cool to be a part of, but forever and ever and ever. And then I realized something that I haven't seen what they have seen. If I had, I'd be begging to get their job. And that's going to be my job one day for all of eternity. You're like, really? I'm sure there's a lot of dimensions by which to bring worship and glory to God in the heavens. But you will pass from this life soon. And you will step on the other side. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be in the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're double-minded, apprehensive about things of God, well then God's not going to force you into his heaven where they're declaring forth his praise. So he says, all right, then your will be done. And he casts them away from that eternal presence of himself. 
That's our eternal destiny. We will see what they see, and we will have no trouble extolling the Lord. But friends, we don't wait until the other side to extol the Lord forever and ever. Eternity is now. In fact, I think it was C.S. Lewis that says, the closest you can get to eternity is to live in the present moment, for eternity is continuous present moments. Do you have a hard time living in the present moment? You're always looking for something in the future or worried about something that happened in the past. Just live in the present moment. That's one of the things I love about my son Levi. He just lives in the present moment and not on his phone. So... (laughs) We have the opportunity to extol the Lord. And it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. I will bless the Lord at all times. And so this refrain comes back. This from David. It says this then, verse 3. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Do you know what worship is? Worship is giving worth. And so you are declaring worth, the worthiness of God. You are worthy of praise, not only for all you have done, but for you who you are. As the creator God in control of all things, through his son Jesus Christ, dying on a cross, being raised from the grave, breaking the power of death that came into the world through sin. Incredible things. And so we attribute to him worth and praise. Just like we do maybe athletes or uh, famous musicians or, or movie stars. I don't know. You, you think, in terms, oh, oh, great job. You know, you're attributing some worth. But it's nothing compared to what we're called to do to attribute worth to God. And you were created for this job. And if you are not attributing praise and worthiness to God and His Son, Jesus Christ then you are not fully alive. You are not fully human. I was reading a statistic the other day. I think it came out of the UK. and It had somewhere up in the 75 percentile range of millennials in the UK don't really feel that there's any purpose in life. That's a scary thought. But the here and now world in which we live that tries to cut off the supernatural, it shrinks this world into a very narcissistic, you better get everything for yourself, worry about yourself, rather than say, no, we were created by God to be in relationship with God and to give him worth and to praise his name. We were created for that. And if we're not participating in it, if you're not doing that, then you're missing out on what God's called you to do. Now, he calls you to do it in all kinds of aspects. Maybe on your job front and your marriage and your family. All right, we worship him. Jesus said to worship me in spirit and truth. But we are continuously on this journey of attributing praise to who God is. It's not only our destiny, it's our here and now moment to seize. One generation commends your works to another. One of the reasons I parked on this very text here today is because I want to challenge us to commend one to another the praise of God in our personal life. The Israelites did this. Is that my phone? It could have been. I didn't mean to call you out on that. I worry about that. That's that's my wake-up alarm ring. 
How many of you have that as yours? Like, oh, man, it came way too early today. You know what I like about this church? Barbara's new today. We can just be real around here. We're good, man. I just met her during turning Greek. I thought my phone was sitting over there ringing or something. I think we, and I have this tendency as well, to spend an awful lot of times in our family circles complaining about what's not right. Rather than spending time commending to the generation to come, one after another, God's goodness. If I was to pull back the doorway of your home, do you commend his praise and his worthiness to your children on a regular basis? Do you commend it to your siblings? Maybe to your parents, your grandparents? The psalmist is saying here, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And I want you to know that you're in a special service today, a special service where this is going to become more real, I believe, for us. And I want us to never neglect the calling to give him the praise for all the good things that he has done. Verse 5 says, They speak of the glorious splendor what, what, what do you praise God about? Here's the psalmist just listing off some things. Of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. I will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness. And joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and rich in love. How many are you glad that God's slow to anger in your own life today? Yeah. He is way more patient than I would ever be with a lot of people. That's our great God. And his love abounds richly. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. I wonder sometimes, like, you know, people, some of you maybe, and, and if you are, that's great. Uh, you're new to town, or you're just in a season of life where you're church shopping. That's one of the more challenging things in life, isn't it? Every week a little bit different, don't know where to go, what to do, what's it going to be, what's going to happen. And I think it's interesting because um, everybody sort of, you know, gets a little bit of a reflection on this church sort of strong in this area that church is strong in this area i go to this church somebody told me last night they were going to where their new girlfriend's at and mentioned the church and i said oh that's a great church in the valley that kind of stuff what would people say about the awakening maybe you're here because somebody said something good about the awakening maybe you're not so sure about this church because of what somebody said about the awakening but I would trust that one of the things, you know, I mentioned already, it's our genuine church. You can be real, and it's community, and they serve food every now and then. It wasn't bad. And, but the awakening is where the faithful people of God extol his name. Wouldn't that be a great banner or marquee to have? 
awakening people fully alive in Christ and extolling the praises of God. And that doesn't mean that you have a great band or the service is all tightly fine-tuned and you got the bells and the whistles and you know, or the message is even... It, it's the heart of the people that we would come not as spectators on a Sunday morning, but that we would come as participants on a Sunday morning. And there's a big difference, isn't there? You might have got up this morning going, oh, I guess I'll go to church. Oh, yeah, they're having tacos today. I think I'll do that. Right. <laughs> you come, you relax. I don't know that song. Oh, that song's pretty good. It was a little hot and stuffy in here. I mean, all those kinds of things, they're legitimate things, but that's falling into spectator mode rather than participator mode. People up in the grandstands, not down on the field. This church, to be fully alive, needs to have people who faithfully extol his name forever and ever. And it's preparing your heart coming to church. Even when you got out of the house late and the kids weren't behaving right, you're preparing your mindset and your heart to come and participate in a corporate experience. And I don't know what it is, but there's something. Scripture says, do not neglect the coming together of the saints, right? Don't neglect the assembly. Because, I mean, you could have watched some church online this morning. You know, yeah, but you come. You come together and there's some Holy Spirit dynamic, some spirit of Christ because he dwells within Christ's followers. And when we come together and we extol his name, there's something transcendent above that. When we pray over someone with genuine faith, something transcendent. When we expound on the truth of God's word, something transcendent. And people that go by the wayside and they don't have meaning in life, they're not connecting with the transcendent. But to do that, we have to come prepared as a people. And I pray regularly on my drive here on a Sunday morning, Lord, may it be a place of sanctuary set apart for your praise and your glory of all good things that you have done. Even in the midst of the valleys and the challenges, Lord, may we praise your name this week. And so we come uninhibited. Whether you raise your hands to be a funnel, receive the Holy Spirit or not, fresh and new for that worship hour, but come. When we head into the fall, we got some great stuff we're going to look at, some, some hard stuff that God's calling us to look at. But he's calling us to reach this valley. And I want this to be a Holy Spirit dynamic place that's filled with praise. And we take on the psalmist attitude, commending it from one generation to the next. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. In fact, next week we're kicking this series off called Epic, the hope of the world. And it has to do with the king and his kingdom and what this world needs and how we need to be participating in the epic story of all that God's doing. We need to have a reference. Why? Because your lives can be pretty empty during the week. And you need to remember that there is a kingdom yet to come in its fullness. We participated in today. But the emptiness comes from the week you have, which is filled with deceit, distraction, and demands. And your energy shrinks down. 
You need to have a full picture. And here's the psalmist extolling faithfully who God is. And he goes to talk about the glory of the kingdom, the mighty acts, the glorious splendor of the one who reigns as King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures through all generations. Here's this generational thing again. Being passed down from father to child, from mother to baby. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises. And faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to him. And you give them their food at the proper time providing the needs that we have. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous. The Lord is righteous in all of His ways and faithful in all that He does. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love Him. But all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in the praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But it starts today. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul says that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made him of himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. But then God had exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the destiny. Everyone. That co-worker you're really bothered by. That wayward son or daughter you continually pray for. That individual that strikes terror in the lives of other people with evil. Everything. The demons themselves in heaven on earth and under the earth will extol the name of the Lord. That's our destiny forever and ever. And one of the main catalytic things that cause us to bring praise to the Lord is the great things that God has done. The great things that He has done. Archbishop William Temple, he describes worship this way. Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by His holiness, the nourishment of the mind with His truth, the purifying of imagination by His beauty, the opening of the heart to His love, the surrender of will to His purpose. All this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable of. It's worship. It's all-inclusive, all-comprehensive. And the Israelites, they knew how to extol the Lord and do it publicly. A lot of times it wasn't in a room like this. A lot of times it was on the path because they didn't go out and get in their cars. They walked together. And there's a a section of Psalms, in fact, 15 of them, Psalm 120 through 134. We didn't touch on any of these, but they're called the Songs of Ascents. And it's believed that they were songs. They were psalms that were declared, sung, prayed out 
as they were ascending up the long trail to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was up on a hill. Or maybe it was as those who were serving in the temple went up the steps that were in the, in the, in the temple itself. There's like 15 or so steps and, and they, they, they would proclaim the glory of God. And so as we praise him, as we extol his faithfulness, as we give him worship worship in all this, we are to do it out loud and to do it along the pathway. Any of you are familiar with responsive readings? You come out of a more liturgical church, or maybe they had this in your church growing up. Come on. One of these psalms, actually not the Song of the Ascents, but it's actually an appendix to the Song of the Ascents. Psalm 135 and then 136. If you read it, it's a great psalm to have as sort of a declaration back and forth. And it repeats this word, his love endures forever. And it's interesting because the, the Hebrew word there that they translate for love is, in the NIV is appropriate. It's okay. But it's a word that appears um, 246 times in the Old Testament. And it, and it accentuates not just the love of God, but his faithfulness his steadfast character, his loyalty. It's talking about how he has this covenantial bond with his people. And so when they declared his love endures forever, you could probably change it to say his loyal love or, or he is in solidarity with us or his faithful love. I'll leave it at his love endures forever for now. But I want you to repeat that refrain with me when I make this statement. A little bit of practice here for something I want to do in a little bit. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. He gives thanks to the Lord of God, the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders. All right, so this psalm goes on. That was long time. You're right. He loved us forever. It's one of those things. Holy, holy, holy. It's going to get boring. Well, wait a second. You can tell your grip with the loyal, steadfast, long-suffering, uh, faithful love of God, you might think that. But once you're gripped by it, you would never get tired of saying, His love endures forever. And in this psalm, from one generation to the next, they carried it. Hundreds, thousands of years before, of when God brought them out of exile from Egypt, they would go back and they would talk about the journey The journey the people of God had been on and the journey that God had brought them through and was continuing to work in their life, they would extol that from one generation to the next to bring praise to God. And a lot of times we struggle, we're challenged in giving praise and worship to God, especially in the midst of a hard day and hard week or hard life, right? And you have to go back and capture when God came through, when God was faithful. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be built on my mouth. And so later in Psalm 136, it gives reference to this. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. All right. If you want to take that in your own personal life and read through that psalm this week and declare it, it's a tool for you. Because I realize sometimes we have to have tools. So you read a line and just repeat it out loud. 
But this proclamation of his love for us and the journey isn't just of ancient days. I put August 18 on the map for us a few weeks ago because we needed to have a celebration of sacrifice and giving to God as we've been on a journey here as a people. Today is August the 18th. I shared with you that we've been on a journey as a church. And a few weeks ago, I stood up in front of you and said that we really desire to be here to stay. We're renting this place. We got in with just a two-year lease to see if we could do something with it. The lease is prohibitive for us to stay. God knows that. And so we have a challenge before us as a people. And the reason I put 18th on the map was because this week there's going to be a board meeting of the people who decided to help give us a loan to buy the building, but they told us that we were going to need to raise $200,000. Uh, what? I'm going to explain that in a second, what stands, what has stood before us. But I realize that many of you are new and you don't fully understand this journey, so can I take you back 16 months ago? We're a church that had come through some good times and some hard times. We're a church, maybe I predict on a Sunday, we had maybe 130 people. Someone just told me during halftime that there's 217 in this room this morning. That's without kids. And so we've been on this journey, and it's not about the numbers. It's about the lives that are represented by those people. But God called us to this valley, called my wife and I to this valley six years ago this fall. But we felt we were at a place where our ministry wasn't being as prominent and well-positioned as it could be, plus we were paying a fair amount for rent for a small place. And so 16 months ago, I circled up some people in a home on April 16th of 2018 to share with them my heart to see us do something different besides where we were and what was happening. I shared with them, and some of them were part of this church, others were business people. I shared with them a vision about a facility that would not only be used on Sunday, but would be used during the weeks by a community people. It would be a base of operations to do the mission. We shared, shared some encouraging words and also shared some straightforward, challenging words. But that was 16 months ago, April 16th. On May 13th, I stood before our small body of people. Some of you hadn't seen that room for a while. It was a lot smaller, wasn't it? And I shared my heart for us to take a huge step of faith to see if we could sign the lease on this building here. But I challenged us that we needed to raise $100,000 and we needed to also commit to 12 months of giving. If I had time or it wasn't too awkward, I'd have those of you who made that commitment stand because we would not be here if it wasn't for that sacrifice. We end up raising over the course of a year $220,000 to make that transition into this facility. It was received well on May 13th of 2018, but it's like, how in the world does this small little church 
be able to take on something so prominent and so much more significant than what we had to be able to serve the purpose and the mission of God to reach people for Jesus who will praise his name forever and ever and ever. At that meeting, I put up a few slides. The Awakening Vision 2018, skin in the game. We were going to move from the red dot to the star. Over on Winchester Road by the uh, airport, small little retail place is sort of hidden there. Another church has since moved back into that same spot. But we wanted to move over here because God had called us to rock the valley, to be a prominent player, to be able to reach people who drive from all different kinds of places. Just down here, Sun City and, and, and Menifee and, and Lake Elsinore, right? And, and Temecula and Fallbrook even. People that could come will get along an interstate. But a lot of our people, all those other pegs, are where people started because the church started up in French Valley. And it was just a smart move to move this distance away. And we thought, well, with the new Clinton Keith going in, maybe that helps. And it does, doesn't it? For those of you that come from there, like I do. But it's like, well, how, how do we position ourselves with the people who are currently attending our church? So it wasn't just about a building. It was about a location. And it wasn't about a building and just a location. It was about a vision and a mission. And so we said, God, we're on this journey. We think you've put us on this journey. This is the building that you now sit in. It was a health club. You fit. The guy who bought the building... He thought he had a tenant for 10 years. After a few months, the tenant moved down overnight and left him high and dry. He put it back on the market to lease and maybe if somebody wanted to buy it. So that picture's taken from that corner here, those little half walls some of you hate. We took them down because you like to walk on top of them. The machines went in between those, but we took this open space Got rid of as much purple as we could. <laughs> Lime green still here. There's time for that to change too. Hang with us. This was the first meeting in this building. Circle up right here. Some of you were in that meeting. I called you over and I said, is this nuts? Is this stupid that God could do this? We knew it was a, a big task. The gentleman standing in the middle is the owner. I put him on the spot. His name's Tim. He actually is not the owner. He manages a trust for his aunt for a family. And so he's tried to protect the investment that they made. They bought this building in 2016 for $4.313 million. He shared with us. We went back and stepped into a series. Do you remember this series? If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Rings in my mind all the time. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water because Jesus was on the water. And there was this miracle that happened. He walked on the water. What about the other disciples? They just stayed in the boat, the losers. They didn't think they were losers. When Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And they went, oh my goodness. I'm glad I'm safe in my little boat. Jesus grabbed Peter, picks him up, a lesson to be learned. And we walked through that lesson for several weeks because we said if we're going to be a church that seizes the opportunity and mission for us and we've got to get out of the boat, we've got to take risk. Risk-taking is not something that comes natural, especially for churches. 
But we all agreed, pretty much all agreed. Didn't have too much pushback. There were some. And they had rightful concerns. But the decision was made to take the initiative to get a lease signed on this building. And on June 1st, 2018, we took occupancy of this building. This is a slide from that series. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Why get out of the boat? Simple answer is the water is where Jesus is. If you want to experience Christ in your life in a powerful way, you need to take some faith steps, some risk steps. And we were taking it as a church. Matthew 14, 28, Peter said, command me to come to you, Jesus. Have you ever made that bold statement to Jesus? Command me to come to you. Command me to start something. Command me to try to do something. I'm going to step out. I said that on a personal basis. The reason it's on this keychain, I think Joe recognizes this keychain. He's got one of them, don't you, friend? It says Christ above all, and it says Colossians 1, 15 through 18. That was the theme of a pastor's conference for other Alliance pastors that I went to a few weeks prior where God said, Carrie, you need to get out of the boat. And he made a call to my wife and I that was pretty significant and a call that over the past year we've had to walk by faith. But that was a good day when I got the keys. When I got the keys and we came in, we said, could this be possible? A year ago this time, we started a series called The Crossing. You remember it? You better shake your head, otherwise it really discourages a pastor when you forget about what we talk about. (laughs) And it talked about Joshua and the Israelites, not when they crossed the Red Sea, but when they were on the east side of the Jordan and they crossed the Jordan River to possess the Promised Land. And God did it again. He parted the waters of the Jordan just like he parted the waters of the Red Sea. And it says in the first part of this, because Joshua was a new leader, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And we anchored on the crossing because we were getting ourselves ready as a people to move from the old building over in Winchester to move into this building to be more prominent for ministry. December 2nd, we finally got moved into this building. It took a long time. You know why? Some of you remember why. We couldn't get the permits. They said there wasn't enough parking in this retail area. Can you believe that? (laughs) But because every one of these units up and down, what used to be old furniture row, is subdivided, there has to be so many parking for each, and we were coming in as a church, and they were concerned about that. We prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and God provided. And on December the 2nd, we did the cross. So when we started at the other church, we had circled up. There were no chairs. We got in our cars. We came over here, and we had our first service. And what did we do? First thing we did before there were any songs. Do you remember what we did? We had communion. And we prayed. God is faithful. We had a lot of work to do, a lot of renovations. Many of you put sweat and tears in it. About $200,000 worth of renovations we end up putting in here. But most all, a lot of that was given by sweat equity, I call it. There was a gentleman by the name of Roy, some of you know him, that did all the electrical work. Never charged us anything for the product or the labor. Probably $60,000 worth just in the electrical. Some of you men helped build the wall, paint, ladies, clean, 
We got moved in. Are there other things to do? Sure, there's other things to do, but we were in. And so we had grand opening. February 17th, how many were at grand opening? It's actually not 2018, it's 2019. That's wrong there. <laughs> we had a huge amount of people that day. You know why? Because we provided in and out burgers. <laughs> and they were free, not like today with the taco. <laughs> no, I believe people came because God is faithful to that which he calls us to. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. You've got to be strong and courageous. And many of you came on that first day. We've invited others. People sift, come and go. I understand that. But God's increased this body. And people's lives are being changed. It's not just the numbers. But then three weeks ago, I stood up in front of you and said this. I said, you know, it's hard for me to tell you this, but... We need to put more in the game. More financially. A sacrificial faith offering was needed to get us in here of $200,000 because the loan wasn't enough. And we were trying to buy this property. All the dates that stand there. We wanted to have another date. But I was reminded of Joshua 3, 5. Joshua told his people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. And so I had to once again ask us to consecrate ourselves for the Lord to do amazing thing among us, for us to be able to submit to him our resources for him to make things happen. Joshua 3, 13, it says, As soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Could it be that God could provide resources for us to possess and own this building that we could be here to stay? $200,000, though, friends, is daunting, isn't it? But in these weeks, the people started to give the resources above and beyond your regular giving has started to, to come in, but it's not been a floodgate. For some of you it have. Some of you may be come today to give to that floodgate for us to be able to possess and own this building. I want to just be clear with this journey of the awakening. The gentleman who owned it, the trust, bought it for $4.313 million. He said he would sell it to us for $4.3 million, but he said, hey, for the first year, if you buy it by the end of June of 2019, I'll sell it to you for $4.2 million. So we've been on this pathway to say, hey, God's going to give us $100,000 off. We need to buy it now, right? We need to reduce our, our rent payment down to a mortgage payment. Believe it or not, it reduces it by five, dollars $6,000 less if we own rather than if we lease. And so the challenge has gone out in these weeks. 4.3, 1, 3. No, we're going to buy it for 4.2. And I'm sure it's gone up in value some, especially because we put over $200,000 of improvements in the building. In fact, recently the owner walked through and he says, you've done a great job with my building. You've really improved it. You've added to the asset. 
I said, well, thank you. They worked hard. We got them to push the deadline back to July 31 because I said, hey, I think our denomination, our family will give us a loan. And I had to go to the well the second time. Some of you gave for that first time. The second time was that you would make a three-year commitment. You make a three-year commitment to give above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings to the facility loan fund. The alliance saw that we were weak. We had little cash to put in the game, like $50,000. That was part of our deposit for the lease. But there needed to be a bigger down payment, and that's what they came back to us with. But they wanted to see that we had skin in the game and we owned it, that we were willing to put our feet into the water. And so that's where we've been standing at. And today is August 18th, this next week. The board for the Alliance Development Fund that extended the loan approval 3.95 to us meets again. And it's been my desire to go back to them and say, this is the skin in the game that we have. Do you still need the 200000 The loan was approved. What do we do with the 200000 I told you it was hard for me, but when I first heard the news from the guy who called me that's overseen loans, known me for 20 years, done this before in places where we've seen God part the water. He said, Carrie, I don't know why the board made that decision to fall 200,000 short, but that's what it is. We believe God's working. Can you guys pray? Can you ask your people if there's any other resources they can give? Because 50,000 down for a building of $4.2 million is not that much. I ask you to do three things for this here-to-stay kind of vision. The first was to have earnest prayer, to pray, to pray, to pray. The second was to have sacrificial giving. And like I said, many have, and and pleased with that. It's not all that much in the big scheme of $200,000. Maybe there's 15,000 that's coming. But I believe in God's people. And some of you have called me even this week and said, hey, a check's coming. I I believe God's going to do something for us, and I'm in. And that's all great. It's the 18th, and there's this board meeting this week. But the third thing was to invite kingdom investors to be a part of things. And these are people that maybe you knew that might want to have skin in the game. And what I've been doing for these weeks, I've been walking sort of two tracks, challenging us as a body to be able to sacrificially give and to pray earnestly, but also to be working on the investment side of things. And are there people that might be able, even outside this church, to be able to say, I have skin in the game? Well, one of those people I've been working with is actually the guy who you saw in the picture a little while ago, Tim. I said, Tim, over a number of months, can you take less than 4.2? And Tim told me, he says, Carrie, I'm already taking a loss. I'm so sorry. I just can't. I said, I understand. I believe because we stepped into the water and we weren't hesitant to walk on the water, to put our toes, that God has brought through something that I want to share with you today. And that is, there is a kingdom investor who's helping us. And it's God himself. And God himself has chosen to move on the hearts of kings and others. And a week ago Thursday... The owner dropped the price to $4 million. 
it really does not make sense. But I believe he had some kindred spirit. And the realtor was a solid Christian. I think he might encourage them too. And so the overseer of the trust, her name's Donna, pray a prayer blessing for Donna. She agreed. This family trust that they would take even more of a loss so that we could take advantage of this. Well, I had a question. Does that mean that we can buy it? Because the alliance said we need to have skin in the game. So skin in the game doesn't mean... This is what they said. There was no stipulation in the $3.95 million loan as it was approved by the board. But we would appreciate it if you would go by the spirit of that approval. And the intent was that we give sacrificially as a people. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to give, as we have the offering here in a second, to give to the God who we will extol forever and ever, for he has done great things. And the kingdom investor, God himself, through Tim and Donna, has given us $200,000. And this happened this week. We had closing. Friends, there's a new date, August 16th, 2019. 14 months from when we had our first meeting, April 16th of 2018. And we now own this building. I'm going to invite Joe and the team to come out. We're going to sing that song. He's done great things again. We've gone a little bit over here, but we're going to have a great offering right now. And this is a praise offering to the Lord. To him who brought us here to stay. What do we say? His faithful love endures forever. Will you repeat that with me? To him who brought us here to stay. To him who divided the water when we stepped in. To him who called us to a strategic location. To him who has set us on a precipice. To rock this valley for Jesus Christ. For our God has done great things. Will you stand with me? Joe, I want you to lead us in this song. We're just going to do this song, so you need to sing it with all your heart. Great thing.